Welcome to the Episcopal Church of the Holy Communion. Thank you for joining us for this sermon. You can find all of our sermons at holycommunion.net and our Facebook, YouTube, and podcast channels. Consider hitting like or subscribe. Consider sharing this sermon with others. It helps us to reach more people like you. We are so thankful to those who support our ministry. You can give today at holycommunion.net backslash give. In the name of one God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Please be seated, everyone. Good morning. Good to be with you all here today. Uh, I'm grateful for uh, your rector, Mike, for inviting me to preach and to be here with Mike and Julie and Chester and, and with all of you. So you may have seen me a little bit. My, my kids and I kind of sneak in on Sunday mornings sometime to the 10.30 service and, and sit in the back, but it's been a little while. My wife is uh, the chaplain at, at WashU at Rockwell House, so we're, we're trying to figure out our new balance as a family. We're with, with her and then sometimes in, in more traditional Sunday morning church, but it's great to be here with you today and, and to have this opportunity to preach. So today, my sermon uh, is all about wonder. Wonder. That, that's what I want to talk to you about today. It may seem like an unusual way to begin on the first Sunday in Lent, uh, but I don't know about all of you, but I just feel like we've fasted enough over the last two years. When I have tried to sit down and start thinking about fasting, I don't have a lot of interest uh, or patience right now. And uh, as I was saying at the 8 o'clock service, my wife and I went out to dinner uh, on Thursday night with another priest and his wife, and uh, we were so excited. And, you know, every year at Lent, I try to come up with some big grand thing that I'm going to give up, and this year it was going to be, you know, meat. And, you know, then we start looking at the menu, and <laughs> the chicken looked really good, and they had steak. They had all these things, and here it is, it, it, not, not 24 hours into the season of Lent. And finally I thought, you know, we have given up enough. I'm tired of giving things up. We've given up friendship and relationship and, and communion. And I mean, my God, at the, at the rector's forum this morning, Mike was talking about having not been able to drink from the chalice. And it was just another reminder of things that we have reluctantly angrily, passionately given up. So that's where my mindset is this year uh, as we enter these 40 days. But it reminds me that in the season of Lent, we don't just fast for the sake of fasting. Fasting has a purpose. And the purpose of fasting, giving things up, is to prepare ourselves to receive that Easter joy in, in 40 days, to prepare ourselves to be ready for the truth of the resurrection when we celebrate that in all its fullness. And for me right now, that idea of wonder is what's going to help me get ready. So when I was reading the gospel lesson this week, my wife and I 
being a clergy couple, we're, we're talking about it earlier in the week. And, and she astutely pointed out, you know, there's nothing that really says that Jesus was tempted in the Gospel of Luke, which I'd never thought about that much before. So all four Gospels agree that Jesus was baptized by John in the River Jordan. And it's important to remember that because not all four Gospels agree on all that much about Jesus, believe it or not. And, uh, but the baptism is a really important one. And the Gospels tell us that when Jesus was baptized, you remember the story, Jesus is baptized by John when he emerges out of the water. The, the Spirit of God descends upon him like a dove. The voice of God calls out from the sky. And Jesus hears God the Father say, You are my beloved child. In you I am well pleased. And Luke says that immediately Jesus was filled by the Spirit. And who wouldn't be filled by the Spirit? Hearing the voice of God cry out of the sky. Having the Holy Spirit descend upon you like a dove. Have you ever had an experience where you felt filled with the Holy Spirit? When you have that moment where you're just elated and you're excited and you're, you're absolutely full of life. Maybe it's on uh, the, the day that you graduate from college or the day that you get married or the day you get a promotion or the day a child is born, but something and you just feel filled with the Holy Spirit. When Jesus felt that fullness of the Spirit, Luke says, immediately after that, the Spirit drove him into the wilderness. And the, and the Greek word that we kind of miss there in the English is that it was a forceful driving of Jesus into the desert. But when it says that Jesus was tempted by the devil, Jesus doesn't appear to me to be so tempted. Well, the devil is tempting him. Jesus. Here are these, these three things. Just prove that you are who you really think you are. Show me. Or Jesus, if you are the Son of God, tell you what, just bow down to me real quick. I'll give you all the kingdoms of the earth, and you can, you can get right to it. I'll expedite the, the whole process for you. But after each one of those three offers from the devil— Jesus seems entirely confident in who he is. Doesn't really seem like there's much tempting of Jesus going on. So it makes me think, Jesus full of the Spirit, baptized, goes out into the desert. Another thing the Gospels say is that his ministry did not begin until after he emerged from the desert. So there he is. He, he has that moment of baptism. And it sounds like he goes in the desert to think. It sounds like he just goes in the desert to be. Maybe he goes in the desert to wonder. I wonder what he thought about in those 40 days. Do you think he began to envision what it was going to look like when he emerged? 
Do you think you knew right out of the gate that he was going to have that power to heal and the power to cast out demons and the power to teach and the power to reconcile the world and reveal to us an entire new way of being? Do you think you knew what he was going to be able to show all of us? I like to think that maybe that was what he was beginning to think about in the desert. And that maybe the desert wasn't so much about fear or temptation for him as maybe it was about excitement. Maybe it was a little bit of joy at knowing what he was going to be able to do once he emerged. So part of my Lenten discipline has been rereading uh, a beloved book called Walking in Wonder uh, by John O'Donohue. John O'Donohue uh, was a monk in Ireland that died in 2008. And this was published uh, after his death as a, a kind of a recollection of, of, of things that he had said. But he writes a lot about wonder. And he spent his life kind of remotely out in a in a monastery in Ireland. I don't know if any of you have ever had a chance to spend time in a monastery. I got to do it during my sabbatical three years ago. I went to this monastery called Christ in the Desert in New Mexico. It is the most remote monastery in the Western Hemisphere. What gave me a chuckle about it is that the, the guy who started it was a Catholic priest who had been the head of a boys' boarding school. And I guess after 10 years of that, he decided that he wanted to start a monastery as far away from people as he could get. People think of him as a holy man and want to learn more about him. I want to learn more about the guys at this boarding school. What did they do? But he built this monastery. It's out in the desert. It's surrounded by these cliffs. It's one of the most physically beautiful places I've ever seen, but it's a silent place. You don't get to talk, and one of the first things I noticed on day one of being there, I've never been able to hear my heart beat so loudly, because there were no other sounds. And after a week of just being in silence, I had this opportunity to just wonder about my own life, about who God was calling me to be, what God was calling me to do. It showed me that if we just give ourselves those experiences to just be still, we can hear that voice of God that calls to us just like it called to Jesus. In the eight o'clock service, I was talking about uh, the book uh, by Desmond Tutu and uh, the Dalai Lama, The Book of Joy. I don't know if you've read it. It's a wonderful book. Desmond Tutu says that he woke up every morning, and I think he had three or four hours every single morning to pray in his chapel. And I thought, well, my God, no matter he accomplished what he accomplished, no matter he was such a holy person, to have three hours every morning to just be in communion with God, what that could do. So John O'Donohue, when he talks about wonder, 
He says, every human being lives in two worlds. There's the world that is our own self, that's made up of our experiences, our thoughts, our dreams, our relationships, and it's the world that only each one of us inhabits. Only, only we know that world. And then it's the world beyond. And he says that all of life and kind of dreaming is about trying to live in these two worlds simultaneously. It's where creativity comes about. But he says that the key component to wonder is imagination. He says when you look at the fact that human beings always inhabit a threshold, then you see the power of imagination. Each person is always on the threshold between their inner world and their outer world, between light and darkness, known and unknown, between question and quest, between fact and possibility. This threshold runs through every experience that we have, and our only real guide to the world is imagination. He says, one of the lovely things a person can do for another person is to awaken the power and the sacrament of their imagination. Because when you do this, when you awaken someone's imagination, you're giving them a new world. William Blake said that Christ is the imagination, which I think is one of the most beautiful theological statements I've ever heard. The resurrection is Jesus, it's God, imagining a new world and a new life for us. Make Lent a time to awaken your imagination, to wonder, what is the life that God calls you to? What is the world that God calls you to live in? What is the dream that God has for your life? You know, last week I was hanging out in the kitchen with my 11-year-old, and she said to me, Dad, it looks like it's kind of tough being a grown-up. I said, well, why? And she said, well, you and Mom are always busy. You always have to go to work, and then like you've got to make dinner and you've got to do laundry and you've got to clean the house and you've got to do all these things. It just seems like a lot. And I stopped and I thought about how great it is to be a kid. You know, our kids are 11, 9, and 6, and they live in a world of imagination and wonder, right? I mean, they can just, they can walk right into it like that. They can create their own little imaginary world right there in the kitchen. It's kind of one of those amazing things about being a child. And if you're a teacher or a parent or a grandparent, you watch just how quickly they can come into that. And it's what we lose as grown-ups, isn't it? Is that time to just imagine and have fun and wonder. So this season of Lent, I invite you, don't give stuff up. We've given enough up. We're on this threshold of starting to feel like we're beginning to come out of this pandemic. The world is opening up. We had this beautiful 70-degree day yesterday, seeing everybody outside again. On this threshold, wonder, what is God calling you into? Wonder, what does that Easter joy that we will experience in a few weeks 
What does that mean for you? What does it change for you? In this one life that we have, in this season of Lent, wonder as the world opens up again, how will you live newly into it? How will you see, receive God's blessing newly into your life? Wonder, what does God have in store for you? Amen.